0: A Clockwork Angel is book one of the Infernal Devices Trilogy, which is itself a prequel to Cassandra Clare's best-selling Mortal Instruments series. It's the tale of Tessa Gray, who must rescue her brother in Victorian London, where all sorts of supernatural beings roam the foggy streets. Tessa learns that she herself is a member of the Downworlders, having a supernatural gift of her own, And she joins the shadow hunters who are dedicated to ridding the world of demons. Hello and welcome to The Best Book Ever, the podcast where we get to know interesting people by asking them about their favorite book. I'm your host, Julie Strauss, and today my friend and local librarian, Lauren Regenhardt, is back. Last time Lauren joined me, we talked about Red, White, and Royal Blue, one of the best rom-coms I've ever read. But Lauren's heart is always in forever with YA fantasy books, and she really encouraged me to read some Cassandra Clare. Last time I saw her at the library, I cut a deal with her. I'd read it if she'd agree to come back on the show. And as so often happens with fantasy books, this is one I would not have picked up on my own, but I am so glad I did, because it gave me a chance to talk to Lauren about why A Clockwork Angel is the best book ever. Hello, Lauren. Welcome back to the Best Book Ever podcast. Thanks for
1: having me again, Julie.
0: What has your life been like in the last year since we talked your reading life? Any changes like in your genres or reading habits or
1: anything? Authors, anything new to you that has changed? Um, great question. Um, so I have, so last year when we spoke, I was reading purely young adult Um For pleasure. And then I had other items that I was reading or other genres I was reading for my gamers read podcast that I'm part of, um, which I'm still part of that. So um, that's kind of helped me to branch out a little bit to more adult fiction, um, as well as different sci fi fantasies that I might not have otherwise read. Um, But I also have been reading a lot of nonfiction. And I don't know if this is a separate question, Julie, (laughs) about the the book club. Yes. Tell us about the book club. Um, So I, as a librarian, I run our book club in the pub with the Mission Viejo Library. So we meet at a local pub and um, our focus is primarily nonfiction. So that has encouraged me and kind of forced me um, to branch out into nonfiction, which is definitely not a genre I normally seek out. And I don't normally, um, I don't want to say I don't enjoy it because that would not be true, but it's not something I would have thought I would would have enjoyed. So I'm definitely branching out into more nonfiction and trying to discover, even within the nonfiction genre, the different categories and areas of nonfiction. Um, it's not just um, one one subject. There's so much within nonfiction, true crime and um, scary stories and memoirs. There's one that we're going to be reading later on this year about little women and how the the classic little women novel is still relevant today. I'm really looking forward to that one. I am too.
0: The nonfiction book club, was that something that you started because you wanted to broaden your reading or was there a, need, a desire from the community for that book club to exist? How did that come about?
1: So that came about, um, I was doing this, um, I was in a new role, um, a temporary acting role, working with adults. Normally I'm a children's librarian. um, And I, my goal ultimately was to bring in um, new adults. I don't know if that's considered a a still relevant word, but um, we have a lot of families that come in and we have a lot of um, seniors that come in. That's just our our demographics usually within the library. And I was hoping to, um, attract, you know, the millennials, the Mm -hmm. working parents who just wanted to go out and talk about a book and have a drink. Um, and so that's kind of what, what started it. And, you know, as a librarian, we really appreciate, um, rhyming words and (laughs) catchy cliche tone or, um, titles, so uh, book club in the pub just really had a nice ring to it. And so our goal was to reach out into the was to go out into the community and um, show that the library is, you know, that we're still here. We're still participating in community and we're still that we do fun things. Um, and who doesn't love to talk about books and have some drinks and good food? Are my favorite things. Yeah, right. It is. It's provided some really great opportunities to meet new people and um, get to know people that I already knew.
0: Now, you were also recently promoted to head children's librarian. I'm That's super correct. excited for you. Tell me what Thank that you. means in terms of your change in your job responsibilities.
1: So before I was um A children's librarian um but now i'm the senior children's librarian which means i am in charge of the children's division at the library which is a a big jump well a big change um i started that promotion the same week that we started our summer reading program so um it's been for I, i don't know um and I'm sure your your um, your kids have participated in the past. Um, every
0: single year for the last, well, since we've lived here, which is 21 years now, and I know it is a big, big deal.
1: It's a it's a big task. We um, I get the numbers every week. We have over like 1,200 youth participants registered. We have over 100, and, almost 200 adults signed up, and teens and tweens and babies in between. And just now it's about adjusting the department to my vision and just making it even better than it than it is. Um, I have my my predecessor is a phenomenal librarian, and she has moved on to a different position within the city. And so getting to um, to just kind of continue what she's built and make it even better and build upon it a, a really cool thing.
0: I'm sure you get this question a lot because I've spent many, many hours in the children's section of the library. And I know um, this is a frequent question from frazzled parents. What do you tell parents who come in and say, how do I get this kid to read? This kid hates books. This kid has to read X number of books for the school year. What do I do? What's your best advice on that?
1: My best advice is I always look to the, the kid. In question, most of the time the kids are are there with the parent, and I um, always go to approach the kid first. Like, what do you like to read? What 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 do you like? Do you like sports? Do you like watching sports? If they like watching sports, then I try to find books about sports um, because we have there are so many great series. Um, If they like, you know, I ask them what movies they like or what TV shows they like, and then um, do my best to find books based around those themes. Um, and usually that works, um, especially with series. When I say, you know, just try, read this first book in the series. If you like it, then there's more and I can go off of that. If not, then that still gives me a good idea of, of what that child would like or not like. So I would know what not to give them. Um, <laughs> so that's, you know, the the biggest problem that that comes up with is if it has to be a certain exile or if their parents want them to only read a certain grade level, Mm. Um, we get that a lot. And I always try to reinstill the idea in parents that, you know, they're reading and as long as they're reading, it doesn't matter if it's below or above their reading level, they're still, it's still teaching them the the love of books and it's still teaching them that they can turn to books. And it's you know, I'm a 34-year-old person who likes to read teen books that are all the problems that 16-year-olds face. Um, Applying that to, you know, a kid who might be in eighth grade, but still likes to read the Magic Treehouse books that are kind of geared for third or fourth grade. Who cares? They're still reading and they're still still building their, their vocabulary and appreciation for literature. And I'll get off my soapbox now because I could go on for hours about how much I dislike the AR and Lexile system and what it does to kids. So, What's the uh, AR system? What does that mean? It's just all based on like reading level. So mm-hmm. reading comprehension, um, read, grade level, and reading reading level. And a lot of schools use different measurements. So mm-hmm. some schools base it off of Lexile some, um, schools based off of accelerated reader and they have to read like a certain number of of books and get points. And then AR has a quiz at the end that they have to take to test whether they comp, you know, the comprehension and whatnot. And in theory, it's all great. And I, um, it's not that I hate the system. It's, the the times when a kid will say i want to read this book and the parent will say you can't read that it's not it's not enough points or it's not your level and then that just encourages or it discourages the child from reading because they're being told they can't read what they want to read so um i always i always try to encourage a balance great yeah here, this book is within your ar level or your lexile but i know that you also wanted to read this so you know encouraging the parent to let them you know, compromise.
0: Yeah. (laughs) This is a soapbox. I a hundred percent support. I will. (laughs) I'm going to build your soapbox a little higher for you. (laughs) Thank you. And I think
1: 99% of librarians would agree.
0: (laughs) So that's a school driven thing. That's not (laughs) a library
1: driven system. Correct. Mm. And so a lot of times we'll get questions. Are are your books cataloged by AR level? Nope. Mm. (laughs) Nope. That's not something that we would ever want to do, let alone something that would be feasible just because, like I said, every, every school does it differently. There's nothing better than escaping into a book. So whatever we can do to help kids to experience that without the pressure of, I have to read this book or I have to read this number of books or I have, you know, taking, eliminating the have to and turning it into a want to is the most important.
0: Yeah, I agree. I'm on that same soapbox with you. Now, last time we talked, we talked
1: about a really fun
0: romance, um, Red, White, and Royal Blue, right? Still one of my favorites. Oh, so good. And at the end of our conversation, you were raving about this book, Clockwork Angel by Cassandra Clare. Yes. And then I bumped into you at the library and you said, have you read Clockwork Angel yet? And I was ahead. like, oh, no, I haven't. And um, we agreed to talk again so that we could talk about this book. So why don't you tell me, do you remember how you found this book or what's your history with this book?
1: So I found this book because um, I first read um, the Mortal Instrument series, which at the time of this book was still being like, Cassandra Clara was still writing part of that series. So um, this was a prequel series to the Immortal Instruments which um, you might know there's like TV shows, there's the shadow hunter show about it. Um, oh. And so this is actually the prequel to that series. And because I was, you know, in the middle of that series um, and I was looking for more to read, I think I discovered um, city of um, city of bones kind of on one of those recommended, if you liked the hunger games, you, you'd you like this one. And I loved the hunger Games, So I went to this one. City of
0: Bones is the first in the Mortal Instruments
1: series? Okay. Yes. And that's where this whole world universe started, um, was with the Mortal Instruments. Okay. I'm I'm pretty sure that was the first one. So um, then this series, the Infernal Devices, which Clockwork Angel is the first in that trilogy. Okay. um, that's That's the prequel. And... So I started reading that and I think I just kind of fell in love with the world and I fell in love with the characters and I wanted to be them and I wanted to be with them and I wanted to date them all. And, <laughs> you know, I don't remember when this year, when this came out or how old I was, but I just remember, I I think I revisit, I, so it's kind of one of those long lasting series that just when I'm facing stress or, you know, I'm, you know, my depression comes out. I always, you know, revisit. This is one of those series that I go back to. It's either this or Red, White, and Royal Blue. Um, so,
0: <laughs> is it because the familiarity is comforting, or is there something in this book that is a path out of depression for you?
1: Both. Um, mm-hmm. Part of it is that because I I loved it so much the first time that revisiting it really helps pull me out of um, a funk or something. But also, just the the way the book is described, the, the, the beauty within the world and the characters, I just love everything about each of the characters. The, every character has something in them that I would like to reflect myself or something that I admire within them. And some of just like the quotes, like my next tattoo is going to be a quote from the book um, because they have so many books. The, the main character, Tessa, is a big reader she herself finds comfort and solace in books. And so I was able to relate with that because that's what I do. Mm -hmm. And, um, so some of just like the, the way that they talk and the way that they believe in books and in justice and mercy and, um, just their desire to always do good things, um, really affects, affected me the first time. And it affects me in different ways. Every time, every, every time I read it, I get something new out of it. It's, and it's just like, there are so many different quotes and, um, different messages within this the series. Um, I won't, I know you, I don't know how far into the series you've read and I try not to spoil, but one of, um, the, the parts of the later books is about grief and how grief never gets easier, but it, you just learn to deal with it and you, and you just learn how to overcome it. And so there are just so many different just morals and, and ideas that come from this series that it's just so beautifully done.
0: To answer your question, this is the only book of the whole series I've read, but let's tell our listeners who maybe have not heard of it. And I realize I am hundred percent in the minority on this. Um, but for those who haven't read it, what, how would how do you describe this book, Clockwork Angel, what it's about?
1: So this book, I always start by saying it's set in Victorian England, um, and it's very steampunk. So um, if you kind of like the old Victorian England, but like the technology and the steampunk. Um, so this book is about shadow hunters. They are demon hunters, and um, it goes kind of into... The, the the City of Bones, the Mortal Instrument series goes more into the creation of Shadow Hunters. But this series is the prequel, like I mentioned earlier. And this goes into kind of how the Shadow Hunters run and, and how they operate and their their values. In this in their world, there's, you know, there's demons, vampires, werewolves goblins elves it's kind of an overarching any kind of fantastical creature that you might envision Um, it exists and the shadow hunters are kind of half human half angel and their primary purpose is to protect the world from these demons and demons are exactly what they sound like they're they're evil and they just want to to devour earth and eat all the people. (laughs) And (laughs) so they are, they are our protectors. And so um, it's all about Tessa's journey of discovering what she is and who she is. Um, She thought she was just your average human girl and then discovered that she is a change. Well, she's, she can change um, her appearance into any other person just by feeling like she has a button and she can turn into the little girl who had the dress that was part of that button. And so it was a journey of self-discovery for her to f- figure out her identity. And if, you know, she always has these mindset of, if I can change into anybody, then does that mean that I am myself not a real person? What is like the real me? And I think somebody who, um, and this is something I discovered kind of going back to your last question um, something I discovered in the last read through was, you know, as my own identity crisis and coming out and figuring out who I was, I could relate to that. Like she had this whole, am I real? What what, what part of me is real if I can turn it into anybody else? And the, I can definitely relate with her self-discovery journey, um, mm-hmm. even at a, a an older age.
0: You know, it's, it's funny you say that because Um, One of my questions that I have written down for you here is why do you think uh, young people love the fantasy genre so much? And I think you nailed it, particularly for this book, because that whole thing of it spooked me at first when she first realized that she could turn into someone else. But I mean, that's what that's what being a young person is, right, is trying on these different personas and going, oh, I guess I'm not a goth. Oh, I guess I'm not a jock. Oh, I guess I'm not a party girl. You know, it's mm-hmm. y- your youth is. And I guess a lot of your life really is figuring out what you're not.
1: Yes. And so you can find out what you are.
0: <laughs> and this book is really that manifested in physical form where she literally turns into other people.
1: And then she gets... um she gets used by these two witches um, who are oh, forcing were- her to change. Scary. Oh, and they, they get even worse in the later and later on in the series. So, I hope you continue to read them. I'm sorry, I totally got sidetracked with that little spiel. But to go back to kind of the synopsis. The magister is this guy who's creating these clockwork creatures, and they're the little robots who look might who start to look like real people, who are really just set out to Destroy, and um, I think that also kind of adds to her her identity crisis. Going back again, that you know, is she any different than these robot clockwork creatures who are were created? If you like the fantasy side of things, steampunk, and Victorian England, um, and two very handsome shadow hunter. Boys, (laughs) Boys, <laughs> as well as a very handsome warlock. I mean, you get kind of a bit of everything. There's um, LGBT representation in the warlocks. There's um, diversity. There's you just kind of fall in love with each character, mm-hmm. and it's just magical. That's my take on it. I don't know if you have the same thought.
0: I I felt the same way about the characters. And the other thing that I really really loved is I felt like London this sort of steampunk Victorian London is very much a character and it was so atmospheric and dark and yes uh, I just I loved the place setting of this
1: yeah there's just from it doesn't matter what the character is if they're good or bad it doesn't matter if it's a setting or or what there's just something that entices you and brings you in and just makes you fall in love with every single Part of this book.
0: Who do you recommend this to both in
1: your personal life and at the library? I pretty much choose any reluctant reader, especially those that are like teenage teenagers or even older. Um, because I do get some adults that just say, I just want something. I don't want to read about adult problems. I just, YA is fine. And I'll, I'll, I'll always approach this in a sense that, um, you know, it's a good fantasy, but even without that aspect of things, it's a good romance and yeah. there's just such, such beautiful. It's just very well written. And I always try to tie it into like, and if you like this series, then there's the mortal instruments, which has the movie and the TV show. So there's, and then she also has several other offshoot series um, about featuring the shadow hunter worlds. There's um, there's one that's set in Los Angeles, which is good. I haven't finished that one yet. There's kind of an in between that takes place with the children of some of the characters in this series that I'm not going to name because that's a big spoiler.
0: Okay. But um,
1: <laughs> so there's just so many different worlds that I feel if they enjoyed this series, it'll keep them reading for a long time. And I always—that's what I look for—is if in a new series, am I if I like it, am I going to be able to live in this world for so for a certain amount of time? Can I continue reading on? and just hide from reality into this world and i was able to find that in in this world even just by rereading the same three books i like i said i find new things every time i read it
0: now is this actually your favorite of the series or is this just the one that you started me
1: with because you you want to introduce me to the series i wanted to introduce you to the series and i like just in that these three prequel books alone I, all three of them are my favorite. So um, wow. mortal in- the Mortal Instruments series, I think there's seven of them now. And if you think this was a, a tome, the other ones are like twice the size. So I, I recommend reading those ones, but there's also a lot of, a lot because there's so many of them and they're so big. There's a lot of tiny details and a lot of things that continue on. And actually some of the characters in this prequel series do show up in, the other series. Oh, cool. So that's another reason why I, I always suggest with this series, starting with this series, because then when they show up, you have that background knowledge of, Oh, I remember that person from clockwork Prince, Yeah. Um, or I remember how that person got to this place. Um, so it's, it's kind of one of those series overarching universes where all built off of kind of this trilogy in my my perspective. I don't know if that's like the intent of the author, but if you read this trilogy then it's going to be a great starting point for all the rest.
0: I really feel like it's a great it's it's the obvious choice for if you like Harry Potter, this is a great place to go next because it was a fun read but on every page I kept thinking, oh, there's something bigger going on here. <laughs> We're going to get into bigger adult themes. Yeah. Which is what we all love so much about Harry Potter is that we through this childhood experience, we dealt with really big things. Yes. And this one, it starts with older older young adults, but I I like that anticipation of bigger things are going to keep happening and that's a great that's a great way to look forward to the next part of the series.
1: Yes. There's a lot of, um, like I said, that there's talk about grief and death. There's talk about love and losing love and um, guilt and responsibility. But infused in all that is a sense of humor. I, I hope I can say this and you can edit this out, Julie, if you need to. Okay. Um it addresses a love triangle, which I think you can kind of feel happening in the first book. So that's why I think it's okay to say it addresses this love triangle in a way that even people who avoid love, you know, books that, that feature them or hate them or just ridicule them. I think it does it in a way that satisfies everybody. And to me, that also means a lot because, you know, it it, it you wouldn't imagine love and romance being a long lasting thing within when you're a 17 year old girl or boy, like, and that's kind of the age of, of the characters they're 17 and kind of think and they're, they're teenagers, they're young. This is, they're just being, you know, hormonal or, (laughs) or, or um, dramatic, but it's just really, really well done in a, in a mature and meaningful way.
0: And trauma-informed. I thought a lot about how deeply the author has thought about what it means for these kids to have this very traumatic background, which so many books start with
1: orphan children. Yes, it addresses um Kind of, you know, like being, like you said, being trauma informed and understanding that these kids have, as these teenagers as kids have gone through each in their own way, a different event that could, that has shaped them and it Mm -hmm. could have turned them one way or it could have turned them this way and um, addressing the, the growth and the change that they all go through and that level of maturity, not just within themselves, but that acknowledgement within each other the the care and love that Will has for Jem, for example, um, you wouldn't think that Will is is the soft kind of person who cares about other people because that's just the personality that he has. But the way he treats Jem, who um, is he's an addict, and it's not by choice. Um, Jem was attacked as a um, as a kid; his parents were killed from this demon, and one of the torture that this demon put him through was to inject him slowly with his poison. And so now in order to survive, Jim has to take this, this drug, this poison, otherwise it he's going to die. And so the, the gentle approach that the author takes to addiction and to coping skills and mechan- coping mechanisms is just done in a, a way where it's not the the primary point of the book, which mm-hmm. is often a problem problematic theme, when you have a book about addiction or a book about trauma, that becomes the sole focus. Um, whereas this becomes, it's just his life; it's just part of his every day; it's just part of his character. And then they move on, and um, it's it's approached in a very gentle way.
0: Yeah, and the way his chosen family rallies around him and protects him mm-hmm and wards off anyone who's cruel and or physically harmful to him i loved that i thought it was so wonderful
1: yeah and they all do that without taking away his independence and his own free will to make his choices and that's a, a theme within the whole series uh, is you know, he might be sick, he might be dying. They give him that autonomy and that free will to continue fighting and fighting demons. And they don't take that from him. That I think is just a good respectful homage to, to just that kind of level of, of trust and love that they have for him.
0: It would be a really fun book when I said, like, it's a big tome that, you know, kids who are maybe struggling readers, young people who dislike reading, this would be the book, right? Because It's a big, fat accomplishment. Fun enough to keep them going. It's exciting and dramatic enough. Yes, that the parents would want to get involved too.
1: Yep, and it's done. And there's like there's no there's a little bit of like foul language, but not anything more than they might hear at school. And there's not a lot of um, like mature themes um, that might be problematic for for some parents. So it's just one of those perfect. All well-rounded series. It's one of those series that does not fall to the second book syndrome, where it's just okay. It's a trilogy. The second book is just a filler. Yeah, there's none of that. So, um, oh, good. My my idea, my my point in that is that if kids really love this series or the first book and they want to keep reading then they can keep reading and it's not going to deter them from continuing because there's just more and more and more. It gets better, and better, and better. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. So. All right. So you got me, you got me hooked on these, I guess, is what we're saying.
1: One Lauren. Of us. One <laughs> of us. Oh, wait till I tell you about the Raven boys. And What's the Raven boys? <laughs> oh God, here we go. What's that's that? going to be, that's going to be your next series that okay. you're going to read and be obsessed with. Um, okay. When you come that's back a whole to- new podcast.
0: Okay. You'll start me on that next time you come on the show. How about yes. that?
1: <laughs> Tell me what you're reading right now. Um, I actually just finished reading through the Raven cycle, the Raven boys, Maggie, Steve Potter, Um, And she has, that's actually a it's a, Quadrilogy is that the word? It's a series of four books. <laughs> and, okay. Um, she came out with new two new books to continue that series in a different, like a continuation of that series, but not part of that series. If that makes sense. Um, so I'm I haven't started reading those ones yet. So I'm going to start those um, soon. Um, I am currently reading Atomic Habits, which is our next book for our next book club in the pub um, which is actually kind of hitting a little close to home because (laughs) I have a lot of self-work to do I we're going to be moving soon so I have to go through my stuff which is just a reminder of habits that I have and habits that I need to change so it's one of those nonfiction reads where it's beneficial and it's great but also I feel a little called out while I'm reading it (laughs) And yes. so I can only and I'm actually listening to it through audiobook which kind of takes that edge off a little bit um because it just kind of like I'm just listening to a podcast or I'm just watching TV. I can kind of take myself out of it a little bit more when I'm mm-hmm. listening to it. So I'm reading that and then I'm really excited um my next book f- for game, my gamers read podcast is um they were they once were dragons which is a fiction about women who 500 years ago there was a mass dragoning where all the women turned into dragons and destroyed were just uh, bringers of mass like destruction and i chose that book right after some current events um that kind of over the last month have been taking place Mm. which i've um the idea of women turning into dragons and breathing fire over the world was kind of appealing. So.
0: Is it an instruction manual? Like I'm going to go get it. (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) Step one, turn into a dragon.
0: Will you tell my listeners where they can find you?
1: Currently I'm at home. Yeah. Not like your home address. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You can find me. I am on on Instagram. I think my um, username is just at Lauren page, P-A-G-E. My middle name is page, which is just perfect because I'm a librarian. (laughs) Um, And my first job was as a page shelving books. So it just kind of comes full circle. Um, I also am on Twitter And I am also, um, you can find my my podcast on Gamers Read. Um, You can find us on any streaming service. And we're just Gamers Read, just a couple of people who play video games and talk about books.
0: Wonderful. Well, I want to thank you for joining me today. And I want to thank you for doing such a beautiful job at the best library in the whole entire world. Not that I'm biased. This is scientific fact. Everybody (laughs) knows it. It's always a delight talking to you, and I hope you'll come back anytime.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: And I'll see you probably at the library this afternoon and at Book Club next
1: week. All right. I'm (laughs) excited.
0: Thank you for joining me today on the Best Book Ever podcast. Links to everything we discussed are in the show notes or at my website, bestbookeverpodcast.com. You can find me on Instagram at Podcast. If you have a book you want to tell me about, click on the Be a Guest button on my website or Instagram bio so we can chat. If you enjoyed today's episode, please share it with someone you love and rate it on your favorite podcast app. And don't forget to hit the follow or subscribe button. Thanks for joining me today. I will see you at the library.
1: What's your next tattoo going to be? One must always be careful of books and what is inside them for words have the power to change us.